Hello, how are you? Um, Edith here. Thanks very much for joining us for another episode of my beloved podcast, Soundtracking. I never take for granted, to be honest, every time someone clicks to listen to this because I know how many podcasts there are out there. There's a lot. So I really appreciate that you take the time to listen to ours. And I've just got to say a massive thank you as well. I've had a slight influrry of tweets and uh, Instagram DMs and things like that from people who are joining us quite as quite new listeners and really enjoying what they're hearing. So thank you so much. Um, it doesn't matter when you join us. It's just the fact that you have. And I am very grateful that you're taking the time. So thank you very much indeed. I love hearing from you guys. So please, you know, the lines of communication are open, whether you want to drop me a message via the website, edithbowman.com, or whether that's on Twitter or Instagram. Um, one thing that I wanted to quickly uh, draw your attention to, if that's all right, if you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen this earlier this week. Um, I did, now and then I do a little kind of Instagram live uh, chats with people who I know that I can get access to, but aren't maybe kind of, for whatever reason, we just can't get them on the podcast. So this week I spoke to this amazing Irish um, writer, director, she's kind of a bit of everything, Kathy Brady, and she's got her first feature film out. It's called Wildfire and it stars uh, Nora J. Noon and Nika McGuigan. And if you uh, follow um, the career, or if you follow the career of Nika McGuigan, you'll know that unfortunately she passed away um, last summer, uh, two summers ago, actually. Wow, God, it's crazy. It's two years since that happened. But um, this is her last performance, and it's a film that she was very much involved in from the very start, um, along with Nora and Kathy. They really all worked on it together. Um, and I think it is brilliant. It's out in cinemas as of today, the 3rd of September. So if you get the chance and you see a film up there on, on the, the board or when you go and get tickets called Wildfire, please go and see it. Uh, it's really, really great. I think it's fantastic. And if you want to hear Kathy talk about it, then check out the Instagram TV part of my Instagram uh, because the, I put the conversation up there after we'd done the Instagram live. So there we go. Apologies for my kids shouting in the background. They're on devices, just so I can do this. Uh, anyway, let's get back to this week's episode. Uh, now, I've been wanting to put out this episode of Soundtracking for some time now, featuring as it does two people who were instrumental in bringing us Black Widow. First up is our very dear friend, Lauren Bow, returning to the podcast for a third time to discuss his excellent score for the film. Then we'll bring you a chat that I had with director Kate Shortland. I loved chatting to Kate, who's put a very distinctive spin on the story, I think anyway, of Natasha Romanov. Now, if you haven't seen it, it's still showing in a few cinemas, but it's also available on Disney Plus to customers with premier access, or you can buy it. And it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD on the 13th of September. It is cracking fun um, and both Lauren and Kate have brought plenty new to the MCU table. I think one of my favourite things about this film is Florence Pugh. I mean I loved Florence Pugh before I watched this film but she cemented my adoration for her even further with her role in this film. But we'll begin the conversation with a cue from the movie This is a Sister Say Goodbye.
Listen, it's so great to see you. And man, you've been busy. Crikey, O'Reilly. Thank goodness. I've got two children now. <laughs> Same. Uh, <laughs> um, listen, it was so nice because I was thinking about back to when I first met you and it was at the Electric Cinema in Portobello when we did that lovely playback with the live, mini live yes. orchestra of Churchill back in yeah. 2017. And it's been so exciting to, obviously, we were very lucky to have you join us live at BFI, and then we did the Christopher's um, episode. Yeah. But just watching all the these amazing things that you continue to to kind of blow us away with, and I loved, I loved, loved, loved Black Widow. I thought it was so great. I really loved it also. I was actually, I, for a period of it, I was on liquid morphine. I'd put my back out. I was really, I was in a state of having a laptop and a keyboard in the hospital, kind of plodding away. I tell you what, I oh totally thought, thought totally different musically. And part of me thinks I should get back onto the morphine because I literally, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of just, I, I, I didn't, I, I forgot all the rules. The musical rules were out the window. Kate and I, our relationship kind of started when, when she was filming and, and every break she had, she'd phone, she, we'd speak. And we talk about Natasha's journey and the background. And I think we, we I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks of just continuous talking. And then, and then I thought, right, what is the music that they listened to when they were kids? And the nursery, you know, nursery rhymes or folk songs. And, and then that's why the kind of the concept of writing Natasha's theme as a traditional folk song. So it sounded mm-hmm. legitimate, um, started from. And that was kind of the, the seed of our our beginning. I watched it. I watched it a couple of nights ago, and it's it, it, it is fantastic. It's it's action, but it's got heart. It's fun, and my God, thank God, goodness, we're back in the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. And this and this kind of really warrants it. And I think that listen, there are so many great characters and great films in this Marvel universe, and to be able to to be able to make your film with its own identity, I imagine, is quite a difficult thing. But She's absolutely done that with this film, I think. Yeah. And that's that's because of so many things. I think the tone of it is so good. You know, the comedy that's in there. Yes. And a lot of that, yes. I think, is down to the phenomenal Florence Pugh, who's oh. just an oh. absolute superstar. I love that girl so much. Um, and I just think that that kind of... And also, I spoke to Kate about it last week. I had the pleasure of chatting to her. And I love how she's kind of almost removed the the kind of sheen from the film visually in terms of, you know, you might see a little pimple on their face or you might see the imperfections. And I think that that is so refreshing to see. Yeah, I know. I know. I was thinking just that. It's weird. It's like a very expensive independent movie. There's a a beautiful, (laughs) there's a beautiful kind of innocence to it. 
but yet you've still got that richness of that big spectacular experience. She's done a great job. And also, you know, credit to, you know, Kevin kind of uh, supporting her and supporting her vision, which is a kind of a, a rare thing in Hollywood. They're scared to take risks. Yeah. It's really interesting because we talked, I talked to her about the kind of the, the sort of the Russian nursery rhymes kind of thing as well. But when you have such a, a brilliantly varied tone within a film, you know, you have these mind blowing fight scenes that are going on, but then you have these yeah. really intimate moments of comedy, really, like, you know, when they're in the back of the helicopter and she's yes. put the headset on and they have this. <laughs> and, and, but, but in terms of scoring that, does, is that a kind of luxury in that it gives you such a broad spectrum of what you're, you're writing for? But sort of, like, I can't write com- comedic music. I can't do it. I don't know how you do it. I don't find it funny. <laughs> I, think, I think comedic music to me is curb your enthusiasm. Or the Benny Hill theme. That to me is 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 what I regard as comedic, and I can't do it. I I I don't know what to do. But 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 the thankful thing with this was at weirdly the comedic music, especially with David Harbour's character, was Dread Guardian. The humour comes from the fact of playing it deadly serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's kind of more Monty Python um, school <laughs> yeah. of, of of music writing. It's just dead, Ooh, yeah. deadly serious. So thankfully that I was able to kind of that that was on my let my my let threshold. Yeah, you can't do comedy though because Lego Batman movie was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and, but I don't think it was uh, deadly serious. The reason I got that job was because Chris McKay had seen thirteen hours, and that was the that was the reasoning. And, and when we first talk, talked, he said the principle of this movie is to play it deadly serious. This is the soundtrack in Batman's head. It is just <laughs> totally um, uh, see, so. So the funny moments were just absolutely pulling out every instrument known to, in the kitchen, and it was just. <laughs> it, but it was, it was it was it was it was deadly. I thought it was deadly serious the music and like of Batman, but but it, I, I think it, it's kind of. I think if it goes so big and yeah pretentious mm-hmm. that it then becomes so absurd that you kind of think that that's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's a, I love that notion of it being the music that he hears in his head of like almost like his walk on music, you know. <laughs> well, it's the same, but it's a, it's the same. It's the same with Red Guardian. That that music was what was is in his head. The, the outfit may be too tight, but it doesn't matter. The sa- <laughs> the soundtrack is still the same. Uh, it's it's still <laughs> still the same album. Is it with the restrictions that they've been on us, you know, in terms of, you know, you say kind of working from your bedroom and a hospital bed on, on, on this sort of thing. But but the grandness and the, the, the sort of scope of the score on this, which encompasses the use of voices, I think, beautifully yeah. as well, is, is what's inspiring those choices of, of what of the instrumentation that you're making? You know, the, the whole Russian heritage story is the is the musical inspiration. And. and and it's really interesting because when you kind of think about it, very little kind of, it's not ethnic, but music of different worlds relates to the instrumentation. So if, we're, if, if the Celtic world is very heavily led by the actual instrumentation, but with yeah. Russia, you, you, you have a lot of classical music, Stravinsky and Prokofiev and Borodin, and, and it's performed by a normal sized orchestra and it sounds Russian. You hear the centuries of, of the, those people and that history. And, it, and you don't need to hear individual instruments. It's in the writing. So that's your first piece of kind of information. And then, well, I wanted to try to record the choir in Russia, but it was just too late. It, it, was, it was getting all too late with, you know, visas. And at the time, we, we, were, we were the last session at Abbey Road before lockdown wow. in, that, in that room. And we had... I think as soon it was the beginning. We started off. It was the beginning of elbow taps when somebody entered the room, uh, and everybody kind of found it very comical. And then, and then sanitizing. It was, but we kind of knew halfway through the session that this was the last time that we were going to wow. be in a room. And look, even we're a year and a half on. The max is fifty people in that studio. So you'd normally so, have how many? Well, on Black Widow, we had a uh, 117. That's not normal, but um, but it was <laughs> it was far from normal. But no, we're back to the most. At the moment is 50. So you've got half of those musicians are still not able to work, and and every film school that's happening at the moment is reduced in size because of of restrictions. And and by doing that, we're losing a lot. We're, we're, we've lost. We've lost musicians because they've changed careers. You look at what's happened in the orchestra pits in the West End. They've cut them to half. It's not a viable career. There's p- people that have played with the top orchestras in the world, and now they've changed careers to Amazon delivery drivers because that's a guaranteed job, and yeah. they still can't actually go and they can't get gigs at the moment. So it was it was that kind of 
getting to the end of well it was just before the lockdown and and it was just it was a great look it's a privilege to have live musicians on your schools you know we don't all we don't always have that chance so yeah. to, to have them all there was fantastic and the choir and yeah influence was the whole key to it and yeah. and kind of and the and a lot of the the, the lyrics from from pushkin and block that was the inspiration to try the not make it obviously not try to make it totally authentic because that's arrogant trying to say you're as good as prokofiev but it was more trying to create a hybrid to to this world and 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 the orchestra sometimes the orchestra was big and then sometimes we had a smaller orchestra with you know like 30 so each queue had a different lineup sort of send you um you know kind of dailies and stuff like that so i don't know if, if they, because you know you talked about david harbour's performance as an you know as a uh, an example and and the the kind of cues around the characters are so you know it feels like a kind of string to their character in a way yes uh and so i wondered whether the performances influenced what you wrote yes you know the, the, the biggest influence was i think it's the marvel world and it's yeah. the it's the legacy that's is that there. scary? I, uh, yes, yeah. You, <laughs> you you just have to you have to kind of look. It's like Black Widow. It, it, uh, sorry, Mission Impossible. You it's so intimidating. <laughs> you are a fan. You're in the audience, and then all of a sudden you you kind of you get invite you get invited in to be part of this team, and you remember everything that that you've hated about when people have messed the music up or they didn't use the theme <laughs> properly. Or they are like, where's the theme gone? Or where's that character's theme gone? So so you do get an intimidator. I think then you've just got to kind of put it to the side and mission's intimidating because Lalo, Lalo has written one of the most 
memorable themes of all time. It's it's recognized like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And it's the fact that you're still, yeah, I, I'm always scared thinking <laughs> that he's not going to like it because because it's, it, you know, it was created what, 50, 60 years ago. So it, it, it's 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 something that's still kind of living and breathing. But yeah, you you get intimidated and you get worried and then you just then got to kind of just put it aside yeah. and kind of get get kind of get working. But but I, I think a lot of everything we a lot of a lot of the music was written not to picture. And it was mm-hmm. more kind of creating the backstory and Yelena's theme and the the family theme and then the assassin's theme and then Ray Winston's theme. Uh, and then and then that all kind of then started. That whole red room section yeah. as well, in terms of that. That's great. I love that oh, whole section. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's visually beautiful, uh, but yet intimidating. <laughs> it's it's like an, a fascinating date and then lee and kate in the in editorial were then they were then kind of and uh, robbie boyd who's the music editor editor on it were then creating our own temp they were yeah. taking the music and, ve- and very much what i what i do with chris on, on mission is to try to kind of try to write to the dailies so when the dailies come in you watch them and you watch every camera angle and you just, you try to figure out what's going on, um, <laughs> but but try to kind of create our own our own temp instead of relying on which you could do is just take music from the prior Avengers movies and, yeah. and put it in, which just wouldn't wouldn't fit Kate's colours and no her um, unique vision for and it landscape totally. yeah yeah I remember that brilliant story you told us um, when we tried to yourself and Chris about. Where you were on a radio station, uh, a radio show in, in South America or something, and they had Marshall oh, yes. on the on the yeah. end of the phone, <laughs> and you were like, "Whoa, no pressure, no pressure." Know, oh, but but they, what you did with Fallout, though, I mean, you know how much we've talked about that score. It was phenomenal. It was so 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 great, and and you know, and you've got two films to kind of to contend with. It's like you know, but you know, the thing is that on Fallout, I I still say say that one of the best the best fight action sequences i've ever seen is in that movie and it's the the bathroom fight. in the bathroom uh, yeah. and, and i can take zero credit for it because there's no music in it <laughs> um and and it's just it, it's just it's stunning and i think i did i remember at the beginning of it i was i, I attempted to write something there and i it was always in the back pocket and i said i was struggling right oh, do you do I, I could never figure out and then, and then we kind of got to it one day, and then thankfully Chris goes said, "Oh no, no, no it's never going to be music here. There's no. Need. It was the biggest, <laughs> biggest sigh of relief um, uh, I'd ever come across. But yeah, it's it's. Um, but I don't think anybody yeah. has written cues so perfectly for Tom Cruise's running as you have. You kind of, <laughs> it's you have this ability. It's a kind of you know, and no one really runs on screen like Tom Cruise does. No, he's like he's. Does. It's, unbelievable you can't take your eyes off him it's kind of just like you kind of feel out of breath for him whilst you're watching it (laughs) the the amount of people that say to me that 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 track is their running is their running piece when they go running (laughs) or the uh i've yet to make it mine i'm not doing very well (laughs) but mine's more like the postman pat theme at the moment slow and sluggish
but but again, the inspiration it comes from what's on the screen. I've watched that running scene several times without the music, and it works just as well. <laughs> nah, just, it, I don't... it's um no, it's great, and 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 it's great fun working with with Chris and Eddie Eddie Hamilton and 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 the whole gang. And amazing what they've been able to do through this whole kind of crazy period of keep that production, you know, oh. kind of going as well. It's sort of no. so, and but you know, not just about making the film, but like going back to what you were saying about the musicians and how they've had to find, you know, alternative work and, uh, you know, but this enormous crew that work on these films yes. and how they've managed to to keep them employed and keep the cogs turning on this huge production, which is yeah, which is the bigger picture, I think, really. Uh, well, yes. What one one mistake. Uh, wipes out a, uh, can wipe out a whole, a whole industry. You just yeah. need one person on set, and 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 I, I, it's just it's not necessarily that much of a a media concern. The concern has been talking more about the restaurant trade and and bars, and and I, I get it. It's a lot of people employ, but the music industry and the film industry got hit hard. And it's interesting being on a set and and seeing everybody now. You've, you've got people on set whose job is purely to distance everybody. They yeah. just got they, all they do is walk around and just do me, just do me, just do me, you know. And it, it's it's difficult for people to be creative like that when they're constantly got a tape measure in their hand, making sure that they're right or hand but, sanitizer. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. Oh my well, that, god! That's the thing during during COVID, you know, during the sessions for Black Widow, we didn't. Nobody knew really what to be doing. And it was like there was spray sanitizer just spraying the rooms. You know, it, it was going blind some days because we were just kind of sanitizing everything possible. But but it's no, it's 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 what it, it is a horrid shame for all these people that have spent their life doing music. And yeah. and but it's it's great. Look, there's a boom in Britain at the moment with filmmaking. There, there yeah. is just so many productions. Yeah, and I think, and, and I think, I think Black Widow's been a. Uh, speaking to friends, they it's they've got the passion back again, being able to experience something all together and 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 laugh together and and enjoy. Uh, what, what, look, what the whole point of what cinema is, as you know, yeah. it's meant to be. Yeah, which we've just not really had. But we've had. I mean, I have to say that there's been so many productions that you've worked on that have kept us entertained throughout lockdown. Be that. Bad Boys for Life, which me, oh, oh, yes. my, oh my, I God damn, loved that film. We laughed so. Me and my boys, they went on a, we went on a bit of a Will Smith kind of trip for about right. two weeks, you know, Independence Day and Men in Black and all that, and then Bad Boys for Life. Oh, it was so good, and I'm so glad that I, I just, yeah, I don't know how it slipped me by that film, but I'm so glad I was, I was encouraged to watch it because I had such a great time watching it. What a great film. So many of us had that first film poster on the wall. Yeah, and yep. it was the it was the beginning. It was the kind of it was the beginning of Michael Bay, and yep. and it was it was that beginning of um, not the beginning, but it was the Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer tag team, you know, happening. Yep. And, and those films are the reason I, I got into movies. Oh. Con Air, The Rock. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. So being able to do number three and and work with Mark Mantini's theme I, again. I said I seem to do a lot of franchises. I just realised there. I just thought 
my god yeah someone else's theme um but because they didn't use it in two they used it in one yeah um the bad boys theme it's a great fun movie that yeah I was watching a, a new film called Settlers yesterday, um, and there's a little, there's a young girl, female actress, and I was like, oh, where do I recognise her from? And it was Brooklyn Prince from the Florida Project, and she was, uh, yes, she was phenomenal in this new film, and it just, I went back and rewatched the Florida Project as well, which was such a great, I yeah, love that I, film. Yeah, I, I loved, it. I, I, I loved the fact that I only ended up writing a minute ten, I think. <laughs> I know we talked about that when we did the (laughs) live show and stuff, but it was just, um, it's such a great, so great to see her go on as well, because I haven't seen her in anything kind of since she sort of, you're kind of like, who is this small person who's just exploding off the screen? She was extraordinary. Yeah, no, I I think it's always, it's fascinating when you see people's journeys, especially the actors and actresses when they kind of, when they're young and they start, but it's weird, it's like working in dark materials. And seeing Which Lyra's is another character. thing we loved. Oh, that was amazing. Oh, you, you, you got through that. Yeah, because oh, we, my my uh, my oldest, who's just turned thirteen, we read the books together, and so it, we were so excited um, about about watching. And I just thought it was such a great version, you know, TV version of it. And I just I loved. It. I thought the casting was great. I just thought, yeah, yeah, no, yeah no, no, so it good. Was, it, it, it was. Now, I was a fan of the books, and it, and it's 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 a so so looking at it that way. You, 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 it's, it's an honor to be part of it because mm-hmm. it's loyal to us. Yeah. The, you know, the ones that have read it. So, and, and not quite like, you know, what other yeah. adaptations that have occurred. Um, <laughs> um, it's, I know, and it's, and, and we've, we've, we've got that started film, the, the third season started filming now. So, so that's the next um, journey. So, right. yeah. The way they did the end, you know, because you 
in the book it's so visual when you're reading it and yeah and I was the one thing that I was like how are they going to do that you know with the animals um and oh it was done so I know so brilliantly I know and also it's just the fact that what I love about it, and, I, and I think it's an it's a fascinating thing social media to do with people's opinions on 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 the matter um mm-hmm. but I but I, I I've enjoyed Twitter where people have disagreed <laughs> on decisions where the author is like well that's not how it was done you know you know they, they they've got their own uh, uh, they disagree but the author disagrees with them <laughs> I yeah. tend to think yeah, yeah, yeah I tend to think Phil, I tend to think Philip's right I think we'd believe him more than some random <laughs> on Twitter yeah definitely <laughs> definitely and listen before we run out of time as well I'm, you know I, I'm obviously very excited about the the new the two new um, mission films but I'm also really excited about you working with John uh, Michael McDonough on The Forgiven is that yes I, I think he's such a great filmmaker and I had him on the podcast way back actually loved the guard war on everyone I just thought it was a great film as well and so what can you tell us about The Forgiven I worked with him on his last movie yeah and I love working with him he's got a great sense of humor He's so dry, isn't he? He's like very his, dry. Yeah, he's great. He's David Arnold's dryness, I think. In a good way, before <laughs> somebody misreads the way I've said that. Yeah. But in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, no, in a fantastic, very complimentary uh, way. Yeah. 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 I'd love to see them working together and be in the room, take the notes for the spotting <laughs> session there. That way. Um, but, um, but no, John, we, no, now, Again, we I, we started working on that during COVID. They were filming. I think they got shut down when I think COVID shut down the filming on that. So there was a oh, there was shit. a pause. Yeah, there was a pause on that. So no, we so we finished that and recorded that last year. That that whole year just is some the weirdest concept because so much of what I've done is either now not coming out for a long time. Yeah. 2023 some films and it put a lot of films on hold but then in one respect it it brought films out there was a film I did with Max Winkler called Jungle Land yeah and that 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 had come out a little bit before Covid but I I don't think it was it wasn't easy to access to watch mm-hmm. but because of Covid everybody was needing content yeah. And I hate that word content, but basically they want films, they want TV shows, they want things to watch. And Jungle Land, and it was great because I think people got to see it. And there was What's a, cast? a lot. Oh, What's it's great. Cast? Oh. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was... Jack, Jack O'Connell, he's just, he's just, he's yeah. like a sort of young De Niro type thing. I think he's amazing. Yeah. The one thing, you know, since, since whatever the last time I saw you did Churchill, it's, I'm very fortunate to be working with these people like Max. Max let me kind of and pushed me to do something musically that I wouldn't normally do and have confidence in being simple with the writing and not and not and not necessarily not working hard that sounds wrong but working too hard musically.
and and it's and it's great kind of being able to jump in and out of these kind of the big movie and then the smaller movie. The pressure is exactly the same. It's just it's just a different it's a different process and and kind of way of working, which just it's just great fun. And and that's why working with John, you, you're not too worried about you, you don't have the same pre. pre uh, pressure from the studio you know there's there's test screenings every monday and then there's a recut every tuesday you, you don't necessarily have that pressure but you've still got wow. the pressure to kind of write something that works to the film but you just don't have that the, the machine yeah you know, we, we we the on black widow there was a very big music team and there's so many people that just never get credit we try to get all the names and in, in uh, i think actually on tomorrow on, on the tomorrow war which is out on Amazon. Yeah. Um, they, we actually got all, we got the, all the orchestra credited at the back. Oh wow! difficult one that because you know most it's space you, you can't yeah. you just can't list everybody but we actually managed to um they're so important to, to the process though they should absolutely be getting you know yeah but it, but they're it's as important it's, as catering if not more uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> but i think i don't but, but it is but there's so there's restrictions and then yeah you know, every, every line costs money um and i kind of understand that but then Look, it's down, down to the filmmakers and Chris McKay and Samantha, the producer and Jules. They, those people help these things happen. Yeah. And to kind of get, get the music side. But yeah, Black Widow, there was a, a, a very big music team on it. And, and also lots of you know, soloists. You know, it was just weird available. Like the week before recording, just kind of... Uh, discovering Kimmy Kimmy beatbox, she's this amazing beatboxer. I just on YouTube, you know, yeah, this so is where picked, yeah, where we discover mu- musicians now is YouTube or Instagram. It's weird, but it's become the new way to discover new talent. I guess it's nice in a way because it's allowing people who, you know, for, they might not have the finance to be able to be in London to try out for, you know, so yes. it, it opens it up. It makes it more accessible, doesn't it, for yeah. people and for, for all manner of reasons, you know, whether that's location or financial or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, what I used to do was I used to love getting an album and looking at the credits. <laughs> and 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 seeing yeah. who the musicians were, 
and go through it and go, aha, Manu Catch, the drummer with Peter Gay, that's who I want to work with. You know, you see, you see, you don't have that now. You don't have album yeah. sleeves. So you're kind of having to do research, but then all of a sudden with Instagram, you see a musician Im- immediately appear. And I was, I was looking at, dr- I was, I was looking at drummers when I kind of first started a Black Widow, and I, I'm addicted. I, I, it's, it's hit. I'm, I'm in my midlife crisis stage at the moment, and basically all, all I do, thankfully, it's not, it's not ba- embarrassing. There's no car, so I still don't have a driving license. But my, my midlife crisis is con- just continuous '80s radio stations on. That's all it is. Rhythm or heart. Uh, or many other stations, but it's yeah. just eighties. And and yeah. I was listening, to, and a lot of Simple Minds was happening. And literally, amazing I, production. I, oh, and and uh, it was Steve Lipson who produ- produced the score for Mission Impossible Four. That good little connection there. Um, wow. But we but we had. Uh, I was listening to Simple Minds. I go go into Instagram. I just typed it, and then I saw Charisse That was that's now their drummer. And she was drunk. She had just done a gig with them like two weeks before or something. So she came and she came to Abbey Road and played. That's amazing. Uh, on the school. So, so it was great. It was great to kind of make new friends and new musicians to kind of get involved with because, yeah, n- normally, normally you need I'm to do an 80s to... album. You need to like uh, bring together all these musicians that you've and, and do a, a, an 80s album. That's what you need to do. Don't tempt me. Don't send me. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be my ideal, my my ideal dream. It would be that I'd have stock aching a waterman in the corner, just checking on things, <laughs> and then and then I'd you know I'd I'd have uh, go west uh, <sighs> discussing things with Depeche Mode and Nick Kershaw, who you know Nick Kershaw, uh, underrated writer songwriter. Um, yeah, maybe you can encourage. Mr. McQuarrie for Mission Impossible Nine for it to be a kind of re- like to, a, a retro version of like of of Ethan in the eighties, and then we could that would be, and then you could do an eighties themed score. That would be so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll give it a pitch. I'll give Go it on, a pitch. See tonight, what he says. See, <laughs> see what he says. <laughs> anyway, listen. I've t- I've held you here for so long. Um, it's so great to chat to you. Um, as always, you look very well, and I I loved as I said Black Widow, and I'm looking forward to next year because it feels like we've got a kind of almost like every every few months we've got we've got a Lauren Bass score coming our way, whether it's I do, possible. I do, or... I do apologize. No, it's good. Lego Batman two, all that kind of stuff. So can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> So lovely talking to you, Edith. Thank you so much. Thank you. You take care. Lots of love, Lauren. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. From the score to Black Widow, that's a calling rounding off this first part of Soundtracking with composer Lorne Balfe. Next up, it's the film's director, 
Kate Shortland. And we'll tee up that conversation with another of Lawrence Q's Draco. I loved your film. Oh, I had so much fun watching it. It was so great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Ah, oh, there were so many things I loved about it. I mean, Florence Pugh, I loved anyway, but this girl is, she's phenomenal. Oh, just, oh, just that, that line, such a poser. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> all of it. It's fantastic. Um, but listen, if you don't mind, can we go back to the start? Because I was really interested just in terms of, when you start a project like this, that first day of the world of Black Widow, what, what does that involve? Where do you start on your first day on a Marvel film? What does it involve? Well, I think my first day was really speaking to Scarlett. So I was still in Australia, but I, I mean, I wasn't on the film yet. I think those conversations that we had about our lives and about what had happened to us as women yeah. and just the humour and the different things we've been through and how we deal with it. I think that really informed the film. And then the second thing was I, I made like a six minute short film made up of other films in America. They call them a sizzle reel. Yeah. And I just made that to show Marvel what I wanted to do. And so you kind of, you're kind of talking about the movie or you're imagining it, you're dreaming it before you make it. So I think, it was kind of like this process. And then I think when I, I got the job and I went to Marvel and I started in the on the lot, that was kind of strange because it was so, we were in this part of Marvel Studios that had been shut down. Yeah. So there was like three of us in a football field of cubicles. Wow. <laughs> so it was really weird. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> What, and then we what, spent what, a lot of time in in boxless rooms, um, trying wow. to trying to work the script out. But that's the thing: is the tone of this film is is so brilliant because it it encompasses lots of different emotions, lots of different. You know, there's some some great comedy in there. The action is fantastic, um, and like you say, there's some real brilliant themes in there related to abandonment, to family, to women. Um, there's there's so much great, great stuff going on there. At what point do you know you've got the script ready to shoot or you've got it at the point that you know it's the film you want to make? When you're not cringing. When there's, <laughs> okay. when there's, there's not moments in there that you hate and that instead what you feel is excitement to see it and 
Yeah, so Eric Eric Pearson came on who who had written Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, yeah. And he is really funny and he and I fought like cat and dog. And but it was beautiful because we argued out what it was really about. Mm-hmm. And then right at the end Nicole Holofcener came on who is a great black comedy writer and director and she um did some of the polished dialogue polish right at the end as well so and i did some stuff all the actors improvised so it was like really it was fun you know i wanted to ask about that because there is a real there's a beautiful flow between them all you know in terms of gwen scarlett and florence and david are when they've just picked him up so to speak and they <laughs> they put the headphones on to have the conversation. <laughs> I mean, just that touch is just really mm-hmm. funny. But it's a genuine kind of like family kind of you know having an argument moment. It's like you know we're in this Marvel world, but we're we're in our front rooms, we're in our kitchens with our family having the mm-hmm. same conversations. I think that's what's so great about it is there are you've made these characters so relatable. We all brought our own family to the script. Mm. And then we were also looking at like the roles in American sitcoms. And so there's these roles, like the father who comes home from work, sits down at the table, the mother in the kitchen cooking, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we sort of broke them apart because we said, these people aren't this. Yeah. These people, they, they're, acting like, they're acting in these roles. And in a way, when they get back together in the film, what's really sad is those roles were precious to them. And even though they weren't real, they, they kind of wanted to be those people. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's, I think we all play roles in families. Yeah, definitely. You to kind of get by sometimes or to keep the peace or all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. I cried. Oh, when she says it was real to me too. Poo! I was like you got me proper and that's what I the whole kind of journey that you go on with this this film is just it's so great the action sequences as well I kind of my just jaws on the floor because when you start with an action sequence and even when you're writing it or planning out how you're going to shoot I don't I can't imagine where you start or the process of that or how long I couldn't imagine either <laughs> I, I was terrified. Were you? Was that the most terrifying bit, do you think? No, the script. The script was more terrifying. But okay. I think with the action sequences, it's it's like a skin. So you start with nothing. You start with an idea. And then bit by bit, it gets built up. And what was beautiful is I was working with a really great fight choreographer, Rob Inch, and a great second unit director, Darren. So it was really collaborative and I just said to them, I want it really gritty. I want it really visceral. And then we also wanted these moments of just pure beauty. Mm-hmm. So they were great to work with. I loved it so much. And now I'm addicted. <laughs> I want to do more fights, more more spectacle because it's so fun. I watched and you just kind of like, how do they do that? Even just mm-hmm. the physical... The way that they're able to move their bodies in that way as well. It's just, mm-hmm. it's extraordinary. But I love as well how you, there's a real kind of naturalness there as well to, I feel like with this film, there's almost been a sheen removed that you've allowed us to kind of 
to really be to see to see the real people to see their real faces to see a to see a flaw or a pimple or whatever and even when there's a point where Florence does something and she kind of picks something up off the floor and she kind of like does it with a slight out of breathness and I'm like absolutely you know this is kind of mm-hmm. I don't know I just feel there's a realness to this film that we haven't really kind of had I think with a lot of the Marvel films so bravo thank you thank you we want that's what we wanted was truth yeah. even in the the midst of all this uh spectacle can we talk a little bit about music because you've got a, a great history with working with extraordinary composers on your films and I know that you worked with the brilliant and beautiful Max Richter who we've had on the show who I just adore um, and Lorne Balfe as well we've had who I just think is such an exciting composer he gets kind of complexities and intimacy but he also gets that kind of huge um, mm-hmm. side to it as well what were the conversations that you you had with him because I guess with a film like this similarly with kind of stepping in and knowing that you have to do action sequences I guess there's a specific well there's not a specific but there's a expectation with regards to the size of the score and and, and the type of score I guess would, would you say that's fair yeah there was and we wanted to also make it fresh so yeah. working with Lon was that I mean he didn't he he didn't want to do cookie cutter action stuff and either did we so he and I first spoke I was on set shooting and what was beautiful about working with him he asked me about her about Natasha about who she is what she wants what's inside her and what the heart of the film is and then we sent each other some music and I sent him I think we could Dito's Lament mm-hmm. and some other sort of Germanic and Eastern European and Russian stuff. And then we just started to um, collaborate. But he is um, an absolute joy to work with. My only regret was we only got to meet once because of COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it was all remote. He's He's very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love as well that you've got this is it two kind of needle drops in there? So we've got the um, American pie that's a kind of diegetic and then it's got that lovely kind of moment with David and Florence and then the kind of version of Smells Like Teen Spirit that's in there as well. Load up on guns and bring your friends It's fine to lose and to pretend She's overboard Self-assured Oh no, I know A dirty word Hello, 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 hello Hello, hello, hello With the lights out It's less dangerous Here we are Um, yeah, we've got those two. And then um, Lon did a lot of reworking of, you know, different Russian music, which was great, and worked with a Russian choir. Oh, the voices is so powerful mm. when it comes in. What was the kind of that thinking was, that behind was a, that? Um, I wanted to harness this 
fragility in women and also amazing strength. And we talked about using voice to do it. One of my favourite moments in the film is David Harbour singing with Florence Pugh. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there was just so many beautiful things that the actors came up with and that was one of them. Was that their idea? The singing, yeah. Oh, man. Every hair on my arm just went on end there. Oh, that's That was David. I'm pretty sure that was David saying about the singing and then we chose the song. So, yeah, rehearsals were great because they they did so much um, improvisation. In my mind, I would never imagine that being not an option, but really in terms of the scale of things, of it being. That's what Marvel does. It's so surprising. It's um, it's like this big experimental film fest and you just think. I know it's crazy, but it's um, so you have to be really open all the time to change. And I just had no idea that that's what it would be because there's this, this idea that the best idea wins. So that best idea could come five minutes before you're meant to rap. So it's pretty crazy because it, you're constantly, um, mining, I suppose Yeah. for, for, for what's beautiful, what's true, what's fun. That's so great to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I also love the fact that the, the scene where she's watching a Bond film. And is it Live and Let Die? Oh, no. 
it's Moonraker. Is it Moonraker? I couldn't remember. I yeah, just remember yeah. Roger Moore, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah. it's been so long since I watched them. But um, that's a very funny moment of the fact that she knows the words. She would have the box set <laughs> of that and Born and Mission. She'd have them all. <laughs> that's a happy place, I reckon, <laughs> being in a caravan watching spy movies. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh and and you know and me and my kids get so excited about the you know the little the mini mini short films that we get at the end you know those kind of that end sequence and then the end end sequence as well and um well this one hopefully kind of you know I think it's been said that there's there's hope and want for a for a spin-off with Florence and I really hope that that happens because it kind of tips its hat towards that at the end um I hope you do it as well <laughs> Thanks, if it happens. Fingers crossed. Um, Kate, it's an absolute treat to get to to chat to you and just feel your enthusiasm as well for your experience of working on this film and you really feel it watching it. It's an absolute joy and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Edith. Lovely to meet you. Black Widow, that's Yelena Belova, concluding the soundtracking doubleheader with Kate Shortland and Lorne Balf. My huge thanks to Kate and Lorne for joining me. Black Widow, as I said, is still shown in the odd cinema, but is also available to watch in the comfort of your own home if you're a premier customer on Disney+, Plus, or you can buy it. And it's also coming out on Blu-ray and DVD on the 13th of September with loads of bonus features, so do get your hands on that as well. It is well worth seeing. I've spoken to quite a fair few people about the MCU down the years. Now, if you want to find my chats with the likes of Alan Silvestri, the Russo brothers, James Gunn and Ryan Coogler, head to edithbowman.com and do subscribe whilst you're there, please. Also up there is my conversation with my very dear friend, Drew Pierce, who wrote and directed the brilliant Hotel Artemis, but he also wrote Iron Man 3, which, if you remember, featured the rather brilliant character Mandarin, played by Ben Kingsley. Well, Ben wrote and directed a short film, a kind of sequel to that character um, after Iron Man 3, which is now up on Disney+. Plus. 
it's free on Disney Plus and it's called All Hail the King. It's brilliant, it's funny and you really should go and watch it immediately. You should also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and do keep spreading the word about us please. It really does help and is very much appreciated. I'd also love to hear from you about who you'd like to see on the podcast. I love getting suggestions from people about who you'd really like to hear. So please do get in touch via social media or on the website edithbowman.com. Join us next week for another conversation around film and music. And I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>